So the concept was really simple and it almost kind of went that way. We would go down to the 14 Film Festival. We would set up at the back of the room at the after party on the Friday night and we would drunkenly invite people over to the table to do a quick interview, no more than five minutes, and it'd be a little lighthearted and a bit fun and funny. And it it kind of started like that. Um, so first of all, um, the first person I spoke to was Sam, and that was really important to me. So Sam's one of the most uh, genuine, lovely, uh, kind of just beautiful human beings you can meet. I've been friends with Sam since uh, secondary school and uh, been be friends ever since. And he's the whole reason that this show exists. So it's kind of really, I didn't tell him exactly why I wanted him to go first. I, 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 he wasn't even up for it. I just conned him a little bit. Sorry, Sam, uh, by saying, let's just test the mics. But he sat down and we had a chat, which was which was wonderful. Um, so we we'd basically, we travelled down straight after work. Um, we stayed in an Airbnb, which turned out to be like on, on this farm in the Forest of Dean, right in the middle of nowhere. It would literally look like a set of a horror film on, on the way there. The actual Airbnb was was wonderful, really be, lovely place. So if you want to know the details, get in touch. It was really quiet and peaceful. Um, made a friend with a cat there as well. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of went there, dropped some stuff off and then set off to the festival. Um, we caught the, the last documentary, which was absolutely fascinating, brilliant, really well done. And um, then went straight to the after show party. So I interviewed Sam. Then we interviewed, because she had to go, Rowena, um, who uh, has got the the lovely Rowena. Um, Strange Waters short film, um, which will creep you out. So she'll tell you how to go and watch that. Um, and then, then up pops to the microphone, the absolutely brilliant Dr. Darren Naish. Now, as I say, it was meant to be, start, you know, just a five-minute quick fun interview. And the guy was that amazing, that fascinating. Um, I could have talked to him all night. In fact, in fact, I almost did. Um, his, his friends left and didn't see him at the back and thought he'd gone without his coat and took his coat. So it was a good job it was warm that night. And when we finished, that's why there's no other interviews because uh, there was like kind of like the barmaid left. But you will all find this absolutely fascinating. The The guy is exceptional um you some of you out there will completely agree with all his views some of you will disagree with his views um same as other people i've had on the show um but that's the beauty of what we're talking about isn't it because uh, there's this unknown element that's quite beautiful to just philosophize and be dubious or embracing and or somewhere in the middle and just discuss that and debate it that's what this show is about isn't it so i think you're going to absolutely Really love it. Um, I hope you find it as interesting as I did. I just need to say, I, I feel like I have to. I we set off um, after work, after working a full day. Um, I, I, the day before was meant to be in my day off because I, I did a fourteen-hour day the day before that, and then it wasn't. I worked all day, so I was pretty tired. I had three hours sleep the night before, uh, and travelled nearly five hours down to Gloucester, and. Uh, then had a, had a couple of drinks. Um, and you'll hear that I forget the word consciousness and try and come up with loads of other words to make up for that, which is embarrassing. And then listening back, proceeded to say the word consciousness about 10,000 times, which is also embarrassing. The most embarrassing thing was when I was asking what he thought of the Patson Gimlin film. And instead of calling it the Patty Tape, called it the Sally Tape after listening to too much Astonishing Legends. Um, shout out to those guys, brilliant show. And uh, yeah, that that was rather embarrassing, but it's in there for you to hear and laugh at me. Um, hope you enjoy it. I really appreciate him coming on. And, you know, like I said, this this was an interview between 12 and 1, so he must have been pretty tired and had a few drinks as well, and yet was absolutely brilliant. So what he must be like when he's absolutely had a lot of sleep and he's on form, um, I hate to imagine, but... Maybe we can get him on again next year and have go into a bit more of a, maybe a philosophical debate as we do on the show, um, and and see see what his views are. Um, I think 
yeah, I just think he's brilliant. So, and just a really lovely guy. It was lovely to meet him and so kind of him to, to give, give his time to us. What I'll do is I will post his Twitter handle below so you can go and say hi and follow him and check out his work. And before I put the, the interviews on, I just want to give a massive shout out to Tim who put on the uh, 14 Film Festival. It's not a big money profit making event. That's not the point of it. It's a, it's a massive labour of love. Um, it was a lot of work as well that he put into it. And it was absolutely amazing. It was an amazing event. I went last year uh, to the first one and came back this year. Sam came and decided that he he's, can't wait till next year. Can I just say, like, if you're thinking of going next year, but you're on your own because you don't know anyone else that might be into it and you fancy it, but you don't go because you're on your own, just go. You will, by the end of it, everyone was just chatting, um, having conversations about the films and... It ended up. It's like a little community. It's it's so lovely. It's got just such a warm feeling, and that comes from the the top down. So well done, guys, for for such an amazing event. Uh, on the Saturday night, we went on a a walk around Gloucester with the Gloucester Paranormal um, Group, who uh, were, were were also really sweet, lovely guys, and hopefully going to get them on the show as well to have a chat uh, about about some of the stuff that they're doing. Um, and yeah, it was it was such a great weekend. So lovely. We even saw a Bond girl. And we had a, a quick detour on Sunday and Sam completed his pilgrimage to go to the Dea Brewery in Cheltenham, his absolute favourite craft beer. So that made him happy. Um, but <laughs> honestly, it was, uh, yeah, it had, I'm just buzzing and kind of, you know, when you've done something, it kind of fills you with a little bit of light. It was um, just just a really, really lovely weekend. So uh, thank you, everyone that was involved to make it what it was. And um, I will see you all there next year. Anyway, it's two in the morning, so I'm going to upload this and go to bed. And without further ado, here we are. Welcome to the 14 News Podcast, live at the 14 Film Festival. So I'll be honest, I've never done anything like this before. We're live, in a room, just open, at the other end of the room, where everyone is. And there's alcohol involved. It's, it's quarter to 11 at night, so we're just going to have a bit of fun and see how we get on. So, uh, welcome to the show. I imagine they'll be doing a lot of editing afterwards, but here we go. Hi Sam, how are you? I'm good, thanks James, how are you? I'm not bad. So it's been a bit of a... A journey down today, it's your first film festival. It is, it's been a, a four or five hour journey altogether. Yeah, and ended up on a pig farm. Yeah, pig farm with an orchard and uh, yeah, lots of bats. And do you reckon where we're staying is haunted? It's probably a good chance that it is. If anywhere's going to be haunted, that sort of place is going to be haunted. It was like the road was kind of like it was carved out of like a clay cliff for, for miles along it was, the way, it was very it? strange you wouldn't be able to drive a lorry down there no. or, a, or a van or a, another car going the opposite direction true and there weren't many passing places either so it was all rather exciting yeah I, I passed a little bit on the way but <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're gonna so Sam's my uh, part of my my crew and um, we're gonna be doing some filming soon and some investigations again and uh, Sam you're more kind of the kind of sceptical open to experience side of things yeah I'd say that's a, a fair description I've, I've seen my fair share of things experienced a few things but the way I am I always try and reason them out with science and, and things that I know but um, yeah I ask, I ask a lot of questions, a lot of silly questions. Um, Such as, um, would you like to be haunted by... <laughs> would I like to be what? Would you like to be haunted by the ghost of Scatman John? <laughs> Who wouldn't want to be haunted by the ghost of Scatman John? Because everybody knows that the Scatman has a stutter, but he never ever stutters when he sings. Yeah. Uh, he would be, he would be 
could definitely be scattered, I think. <laughs> All over the shop. And we've seen some scat today, haven't we? Um, we have. We saw a film featuring animal scat yep. of uh, unknown origin, perhaps, yes. from a big wild cat, loose. Potentially big cat. The, the, um, the bones definitely had the potential to be a big cat. That, that was almost a certainty. Well, that's what the scientists said. There were some teeth marks in them. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the proposed big cat scat turned out to be a predator scat yeah. and not uh, necessarily a, a big cat. I wonder if uh, Scatman John could do a scat about big cat scat. Scatman John can scat about anything he wants to. It's amazing. I mean, it is, he's an artist ahead of his time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe he could come through on the microphone tonight. We'll see. We'll have to continue doing some interviews. So what, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? At the, at the tomorrow, uh, I'm looking forward to waking up um, and realising I've not been murdered overnight on the pig farm. <laughs> No, I'm just looking forward to uh, watching some films about things that I'm more interested in, like paranormal things like ghosts and UFOs and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be... Um, I, I, I really enjoyed the film I watched tonight. Um, I, I find that interesting, but there's, there's, an, there's almost an explanation for it. it it's, you know... Well, and that, that film kind of showed, told some of the stories, didn't it, of, of like people that actually had cats in that area um, and then they, they kind of... The, the, the released came into in. the wild yeah and then, so yeah. yeah that's more of a scientific ex- explanation um, so you're looking forward to more of the stuff that hasn't yet been explained yeah absolutely the things that science can't yet explain that's what I'm interested in yeah. should be a good day I'm looking forward to it yeah yeah definitely so let's uh, let's uh, see uh, who else I want to come and talk to so what, what we're going to try and do now is walk about the room with people that look at us weirdly and see if we can coax anyone over to the microphone and have a little chat with us. Uh, we've got some filmmakers here, we've got some punters, um, some runters, and no, we're not gonna. And um, yeah, we're in a rugby club, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a good night. So welcome back. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? I certainly can. I'm uh, Rowena Ramos and I'm writer and producer and I've got a short film on called Strange Waters at uh, 14 Festival this year, which I'm really excited about showing. So your, your film was filmed in a really uh, amazing location. Yeah, do you know what it was actually? Um, so we filmed out on a, a sea fort, which was Spitbank Fort out in the Solent, um, which we got access to, which to be honest, to get access to it was quite amazing um, and uh, yeah that, that was a pretty kind of haunted location and then we also filmed a place called Venter Botanic Gardens just because of logistics we couldn't get out to the fort, the fort all the time so uh, they've got a, a kind of series of tunnels underneath an old hospital so that was that was pretty haunted as well so there was yeah we, we spent a lot of time in haunted locations I think fantastic did you experience anything other than what you were filming yourselves uh, do you know what, in the, really sadly, in the fort, we didn't. Yeah. Um, it's only supposed to have kind of one ghost there. Um, but it was, the, the whole feeling of the place was awful. And I, I don't know if it's that whole thing that, you know, you can go into a place and kind of sense that people haven't been very happy there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was quite depressing. And I, it, it, They actually ran it as a hotel. And um, when we went on, it had been kind of decommissioned for about sort of three months or something like that. And it was falling apart and bits and... But we were just like, there's no way we would stay on this. Uh, so sadly, we didn't really see anything on there. But when we went to the tunnels, um, we, we had a few little incidents. How the electrical equipment was going a bit weird. And we had a few, which sounds really cliche, but we had a kind of, some, a, a few kind of rocks or something thrown when we were down one of these tunnels. Oh, and we, okay. we were like, yeah, we're not, we're not very keen on this bit. So, yeah, there was a few bits there. But obviously when you're filming it's not just you you know you've got there's about 15 of you down a tunnel or wherever you are so you, you kind of got slightly safety in numbers I think it's, it must be quite it's quite an oppressive space anyway because you, you're kind of surrounded there's no escape you're enclosed off and yeah I mean the sea forts are just they are the most incredible buildings and it was a real privilege to be there and as I said to the, I don't know if you know them but they're in the middle of the sea so these old sort of Victorian forts and they are very oppressive. There's, there's something uh, very kind of dramatic about b- being on them. They're very atmospheric. So we uh, hopefully we kind of pick that up in the film. And hopefully. so 
I know you've got to go soon, so <laughs> where, where can people see this film after, after the festival? Okay, so um, if you don't come along to the festival, you can see it's online. It's at www.strangewaters.co.uk um, and you can have a little look at the, the trailer and the film is all on there to have a look at. Fantastic. And, it, and if you could be haunted by Scatman John, would you? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much for talking to Thank us. Thank you very much. <laughs> So, welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Uh, my name's Darren Nash. I'm a zoologist. I work as a paleontologist. I work on dinosaurs. Um, uh, most recently, been working on the Apple TV Plus BBC Studio series Prehistoric Planet. But um, I am here at the 40th Film Festival because one of my main interests outside of dinosaurs and paleontology is cryptozoology, the study of mystery animals. Uh, I'm really interested in the people that study mystery animals as well as the ideas about the mystery animals themselves. Fantastic. So what, what kind of got you into that then? Well, for me, the whole subject of cryptozoology uh, has always been kind of like running in parallel to the rest of my like, interest in zoology. Yeah. So I can remember as like a young kid being interested in, I mean, you know, under five years old, whatever, interested in, you know, like farm animals and zoo animals and drawing animals and prehistoric animals that, I, that I'm looking at in, you know, kids' books. And at the same time, for me, there's also this, like, background interest, which is happening, like, around the, you know, I can say this today, I probably didn't understand it at that age, but it's always been, like, at the fringes of the science of zoology, this interest in mystery animals. So, like, if you think of, like, any... Uh, book on zoology, natural history, even if it's like the most mundane, straightforward, kind of like, you know, air quotes, real zoology, there'll be those couple of pages at the back where they say, people also claim to have seen, you know, this kind of thing, you know, the Yeti, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster. Is that actually part of zoology as well? And and, and that has always grabbed my, my interest. And um, yeah, whether, whether they're real animals, that's fascinating, but also the the, the, the ideas that people have had about them is fascinating as well because I think even if they're not real the the study of them is itself worthy of study yeah there, there seems to be kind of two camps in cryptozoology there's the real woo woo and then there's those that's like well people have seen them but but what is mm. it and, and yet to <laughs> come up with explanations <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah um, and there's certain aspects of cryptozoology and, and Bigfoot is the best example it, do, it does bleed into other areas like lake monsters and sea monsters as well but mostly Bigfoot where the woo this like sort of pa the idea of a psychic or paranormal or quantum Bigfoot or whatever mm. is kind of quite a um, prominent like you know quite an obvious thing in, in, in the community yeah and um uh, I, you know, I, I could say a lot about this. I, I've actually just written an article about this for uh, Biologist magazine. There's this, there's this school of thought called the PUFT, the Paranormal Unified Field Theory. The idea that um, increasingly common among people that are interested in air quotes, the paranormal, there's this idea that like sightings of UFOs and spirits and cryptids are all kind of like like linked in some way that that we're seeing like door into like another dimension or uh, is it something to do with the multiverse you know there's all these kind of like sciencey sounding ideas that, that, that people who you know I, I don't mean to be disparaging or negative but people that aren't coming from a scientific position are pushing out there sort of promoting they're saying hey wait a minute there could actually be something to this yeah and um, I think this is becoming like almost too prominent. It's almost like for a lot of people, it's like it's like it's the default explanation. It's like if you can't verify Bigfoot, say, as a real flesh and blood animal, well then, well that, don't worry about it. That's because it's part of the puffed. It's part of this like paranormal, like other quantum, yeah. <laughs> whatever that means. Um, yeah. Um, and then there's yeah. the other side. So so almost. From, from my point of view, in terms of, like, I investigate, poltergeist is my speciality, and, and I investigate it, and I, as anyone that listens to the show knows, I don't I don't think poltergeist is part of a, um, the, the dead kind of visiting thing, I think it's to do with some sort of, um, kind of, interaction with our, 
ability to think and perception and all these type of things and yep. and, and it's therefore if you start believing in certain things then you're more likely to kind of see them but that's a separate thing almost together whether it's hallucinatory or whether it's actually bringing it in into actual effect as a vision that other people can see as well yep so you know there could I'm, be other I'm, I'm absolutely on board with that I, I recently wrote a, a quote recently as in like just a week ago two weeks ago I wrote a long article on black dog legends right yeah and my idea and so for those of you who don't know I'm sure most of you listeners do you know black dogs they're not just dogs that are black they're these like big spectral hounds they're encountered in the rural countryside and they're said to have glowing eyes and to you know create an unusual level of fear and they're seen in the same kinds of places they're seen in what we would all regard as sort of spooky rural locations and i wonder if uh, in my discussion of this phenomenon I wonder if people are experiencing something due to something about the, these particular locations. They're detecting something somehow through one of their senses, because we have a whole load of senses. Yeah. You'll know this, um, and they're then the only way that they can like like uh, sort of rationalise that or visualise that or explain that to another person is to say that um, it was a dog-like phantom that I saw, and I. I'm already quite familiar with the literature on... Um, there's a pretty good scientific literature on haunted houses. Mm. And this taps into to poltergeists and related phenomena. It's like there's a whole load of places that everyone identifies as spooky for some reason. Yeah. And it turns out when these places have been studied, there's often like some reason for them feeling spooky to do with... like. Well, I, I, don't, I don't want to pin things down because every single one of the ideas is controversial. Yeah. But the idea that is there are people being affected by electromagnetism yeah, yeah. or some source of water that's like causing the temperature to be unusually cold. You know, you, you've heard all this stuff, and it's like, is that actually the answer for a lot of this? A lot of these phenomena, you know, phantoms, ghosts, poltergeists, monsters, that people are having experiences of some sort due to them being affected by something in the local environment and our only way like it's not our fault because it's like a it's a it's like a built-in thing about our biology like the way our eyes work or the way information is conveyed from our eyes to our brains or how our memory works it's like we can't help but interpret that that stimulus as a uh, a, a phantom type phenomenon or, or, or like we, we think that objects have been moved you know uh, the, 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 most, the most famous example and I right now we're in a bar so I've been drinking a little bit yeah, I can't remember all the details. That was like me. I, I forgot the word consciousness a minute ago. <laughs> I was trying to explain and use other words instead of the word. <laughs> well, there's this. So there's this famous case where people in a laboratory were repeatedly seeing a white ghost at the, at the edge of vision, yep. and it was worked out that they were only seeing this when a certain like electrical device yeah, yeah. in the laboratory was turned on, and it was creating infrasound at a certain frequency, and they reckon that the infrasounds was in some way affecting like literally the human body like it's it's literally affecting like the tissues of the eye and the brain goes there's something going on over here and i don't know what it is but the only way that you can like um perceive it is i'm going to make you think that you are perceiving a white human shaped and sized phantom at the corner of vision because they did fairly convincingly link this uh, apparition, air quotes, to um, to this d- infrasound emitting device. So mm. I think that's a really good example of there actually being like actual sensory stimuli that might explain people's paranormal experience. Yeah, yeah. One of, one of the first things I do when I do an investigation is, is whatever area people are seeing things is look for like electromagnetic, you know, loose wires and all those type of things first of all to, to do that. But I mean, there, there are, you know, we, we've, it's interesting as well, um, what we're talking about, about the types of places. So the, the old stately homes, for example, always seem to have ghosts. And yet, compared to say, maybe an old council house that's equally as old and probably had a lot more trauma and that mm-hmm. doesn't seem to have it. And there's almost like a consciousness that these are haunted, which then could potentially create 
yeah. something within them. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, there there are studies that show that that uh, a person's prior beliefs and uh, what's the other word? I've forgotten the other word. But basically, everything they already think is true affects what they perceive. The confirmation so bias in confirma- terms of reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you and I both belong to a particular culture where, like, there are like monsters live in big deep lakes. Loch Ness, for example, and Bigfoot-type monsters live in big foresty places, and big old mansiony houses have Charles Dickens-style ghosts. Right? That's like a part of our culture. So even before you like go to one of those places, so I'm going to a stately home, and I know it was built in like Victorian times. So straight away. On the list of things, if you ask me to like list all the things that I think are going to be true of that stately home, one of them is that it could well be haunted yeah. by a lady in white who's racked with guilt because of the death of her baby, or you know that, that that sort of thing. So yeah, we already have that idea there. Whereas, do we have that idea for like a Georgian council house or something? Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, I've even been to new bills that have activity as, as to some really unexplained that is definitive but with no explanation and then equally I've been to places that are supposedly haunted through historic reasons that I, I can come up with rational explanations for as well it's mm. it's really interesting and then you've got like the the Talpa idea as well where mm. there's there's a famous one where it, I think it was the guy out of the damned um, <laughs> was drunk dressed as a vampire came out of a churchyard someone saw him and then, from then on, people genuinely saw it. Word spread, and people genuinely saw a vampire in the graveyard for like decades well, after. Right? Or did they? The, yeah. The, the caveat. The caveat is, and what we often forget to say when we're talking about these cases is, is people claim yeah. to have genuinely yeah, 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 seen. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think that all the time. It's like, well. People definitely saw this thing. No, well, maybe they did. You know, we weren't those people. Yeah. They genuine. They claimed. They believe they, 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 yeah. they saw it. Yeah. yeah. Or they yeah, yeah. at least reported that they did. Yeah. I've been on investigations as well where we've all heard a scream, but then someone else heard a word. Someone else heard someone crying, and then when all at the same time, and then on the audio equipment, there's it's silence and all these strange things. Oh yeah, yeah, well. yeah. Well, the, the the power of suggestion. And uh, yeah, just being in a group and like, being again yeah. being in a scary situation or what we imagine to be a scary situation is uh, yeah enormously powerful. And um, have you ever heard this um, these recordings made by uh, I want to say the BBC and not very long ago, like you know eighties or nineties, where loads of people were. It's in Ireland, and there's a claim that in a shrine that's on the side of a cliff, uh, a vision of the Virgin Mary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's quite, quite a familiar idea, yeah. visions of the Virgin Mary. And, um, and there's this, like, like, hundreds and hundreds of people, possibly even more than hundreds, went to this site over the several days that the apparition was witnessed. And they recorded, like, they actually went around and, like, you know, sort of interviewed all the people, like, literally as they're, as they're seeing it. And uh, there's, there's actual, there's films and photographs of the location and it's, it's exactly what you'd expect. It's a rock face, and you can imagine, you know, it's pareidolia. You can, like, I, I, can, I can imagine there's like a sort of humanoid column there, but with, in the right lighting and stuff, I, I could understand why someone would perceive that as a vision, a, a vision of the Virgin Mary. But it's like, you listen to the people, they're saying, in, in you know, beautiful Irish accents, saying, oh, can't, can't you see that she's doing this? And can't, can't you see, oh, can't you see the look on her face? And, and oh, look how, look how she's moving now. And, it's, and, they're, all, and they're all like, no one's, no one's saying, mate, you're lying, that's not what's going on, it's just rocks, mate. Everyone, everyone is saying, oh, yeah, yeah, look, oh, I see it now, I see it now. So there's, there's this, and, and that, you know, it's, it's really interesting interview, and I think that's a set of interviews, and that's, yeah, yeah. common for the sort of thing we're talking about. So, so do, you, do you believe that there is nothing? Do you think it's all kind of like a psychological suggestions and... <laughs> what a horrible There's question. question. <laughs> well, it dep- okay, it depends on what phenomenon and what specific thing we're talking about, because the world is complicated. Yeah. And um, 
like okay so we've got this we've got this like sort of almost fundamental problem in how we talk about anything yeah which is what is real yeah. right now there's no doubt to me right now that like like literally this table in front of us and the hall that you and I are in right now those are real things but if you if 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 we as a as like a group of people or even as an entire species if we've got a concept of something and everyone sort of agrees that it looks like that um, this is sounding a bit vague and weird but it's like is that real it's yeah. like so for example let's say we could go deep into quantum physics is fine well my, my listeners are used to that I, I i know nothing about quantum physics and i'm also convinced that none of the people that, that refer to it in the world of like paranormal know the first thing about quantum yeah. physics either to be honest With no disrespect intended to anyone but um like so let's say let's say that like bigfoot fundamentally does not exist as a flesh and blood primate running around in the wooded parts of wherever it's supposed to live obviously it's not just limited to North America uh, and also let's say it doesn't exist in any other form like let's say all of this all these ideas about psychic Bigfoot quantum Bigfoot let's say all that is also nonsense well even if that's true like fundamentally does not exist we have all got a concept of of it right as a sort of like in this case in this scenario it would be an entirely imaginary entity that we've all built in our minds and we've reinforced this view of it from the artwork we've done and uh, the things we've written about it and, and, and the conveying of eyewitness descriptions and whatnot. So would you, if it only, again, air quotes are only, if it only exists in that realm, in sort of like the, the cultural realm, are you then going to say it's not real? And I'm like... I think that's real. I think I think that there's like a a, a, cult, a shared cultural view about what something's meant to be like. That's still real in a sense. That's still a thing that exists. It doesn't exist in the real world, but it does exist in terms of our understanding of the universe. Because even if it's like a thing that doesn't, it, so in this case, it wouldn't really exist outside the human skull, right? But then it still does exist because 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 like your memories exist they fundamentally are are like a thing in the universe it's something that's, that's like locked in your the soft matter in your brain the way your, your way your brain works so the same for yeah so i i, I think that's that is that's going to be true for some of these things they are real in the sense that they are real because they're in shared cultural view of the universe culture of the world but all the other stuff i mean I, I do not have anything like a consistent single view on all the uh, peculiar things that I'm interested in because I don't I don't think there's one solution to uh, yeah to but reality itself is a is an individual perception isn't it so everyone's reality is slightly different and even in terms of like you said like the cable is real but the cable what we view is is only the light reflecting <laughs> and those colors yeah and we never actually touch the cable either we're touching the the the, the negative neutrons within it are, are, are pushing our hands against it so we never actually touch solid matter in reality in the the reality of quanta so yes. so yes. like when we look at it like that everything is is individual perception and perceptions and what is reality within the deeper kind that, of part yeah, of the universe. Exactly. To go to go down that rabbit hole, I always feel like that is way outside my pay grade and wheelhouse. It's like, yeah, um, I've got a I've got a pretty you know sort of very basic take on it, which is the same as the same as I think someone would have had like centuries ago or, or thousands of years ago, which which is like. <laughs> I'm just not going to buy into this stuff about um, uh, the idea that the the reality we perceive isn't isn't reality, or that um, there's the possibility of infinite alternative universes or simulation theory. I'm just not going to buy into that because um, I think it's just far more e simple to just believe that no, this is it, <laughs> which is uh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't have to worry about it. James. James. James and Darren. Yes. Yes. I'll go, go, right. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, see you tomorrow. Leave that in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So yeah, my, my, so I, I've, I have been in places where with poltergeist activity that I can't explain, and and people that like for example, a youth centre, which isn't a sort of place you expect to be haunted. Hmm. That stuff that know nothing about its history or past have come in and things have occurred without any suggestion and that, that place was quite extreme and things would respond where you, we, we put a ball on the floor and we, we, we said to, to move the ball and like on the third asking it, it flew up so high it, it knocks the ceiling tile off on command up until the point you put a camera at it and then it, it would never do it wow. rooms overturning um, and Again, so one room frequently got, the alarms used to go off and it was on the top floor. And we're talking there from the window, so there was a story below the first floor window on that particular area as it went down and near a cliff. So we're talking maybe 60 feet up in a lot window. That room got rearranged so frequently, like they paid to have the locks changed, but it still occurred. We put a camera in there and nothing occurred the entire week while the camera was in there. The night we took it out, the, the entire furniture got upset, the bed got tipped upside down. Um, and the person, if, if it, someone had the key to go in, they would have to turn the alarm off at the door hmm. and no one had accessed the code either. So that, that place was, so those type of things really interest me because my, if I'm honest, as a, as a paranormal investigator, that, that I see my job as to eliminate absolutely everything mm. to to say you know it's this it's this you know the, the one is perfect example because it just fits the narrative so well of the, there's um there's knocks it's like when when does this occur well normally at this time at three in the morning the witching hour what time does your heating come on uh, we set it for about three <laughs> o'clock yeah. uh, half two to, to warm up for yeah. okay so there you go and it's those type of things so I, uh, you know but but that place was just there's a pretty incredible it was it was amazing accounts. yeah it was it, it was yeah. to the point as well where we we the local authority ended up booking other spaces because we had kids that wouldn't even go in the building because they'd experienced right, things while they're in right. there how sure are you you can absolutely 100% rule out human intervention lies my own life everything we we went went in one night at random we hadn't planned to go in um, for, in terms of the ball we'd gone in this room and just said shall we ask it to do something we've chosen this ball at random um, and it, 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 it literally flew from the ground to the ceiling and not the ceiling thing off and it was maybe four feet away from us on the floor mm. and things like that even 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 to the more extreme we, we sat someone on a bed and um, we asked it to move the bed and, and the bed moved no one else touching it nearby well yeah, stuff like this is very hard to, you know, yeah, come up with a, come up with a good dismissal of it. Yeah, but uh, it's it's, I mean, and like I say, most places though, I, I come up with explanations yeah. and, and and rule things out. But that that place in particular was just, I don't know what it is. Like I say, I, I don't believe it's. I think ghosts, uh, for what people see as as ghosts, I think. I do think people see ghosts. Yeah. I, I think that's almost like something replaying because it seems to follow the same thing over and over again. But but with the, the say for example that and and to go back to the other thing, I, I think whatever you then determine what that poltergeist is. So you know Native Americans thought it was a coyote spirit and they start seeing coyotes. We used to call it fairies and we'd see fairies. And now it's the mod modern kind of thinking it's ghosts, and I think mm. that's why people are starting to see ghosts, and I think it's something to do with our conscious interaction that will then create it. So if yeah. we actually went in a place, there was, there was a, a famous, you probably know, there was a famous laboratory experiment, wasn't there, where they, they designed a poltergeist in a lab. Yeah. And, uh, but then again, it's that, it's the, the movements that they recorded were so ridiculous, it looks like stop-frame animation. And it's almost this... For some reason, it's almost, I always say, there's enough evidence until there's evidence. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of cases of, of people trying to mm. will, uh, not, 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 that's the wrong word, not will, um, but... Um, Manipulate yeah, yeah, something like, into like, reality. Yeah, yeah, make something, yeah, make something real. And um, 
Yeah. Which is which is kind of like it's it's not really done under sort of like I was going to say strict, and that's a, that's a bad word to use, but it's not done under like normal scientific protocol because the people actually so wanted something to come of it mm. that then you've got like you know people wanting to convince others that's, that there's, there is something there that, that, that they've done. So I, I, I've I've seen like a you know in, in cases uh, at meetings, not like I didn't from this one, um, loads of cases where not loads loads cases where people have shown. Um, really strange things to do with like you know toys moving on under the supposedly under their own will and injuries appearing on people's bodies and all that sort of stuff and um uh i, I at least consider it possible that in uh, at least some of those cases it is that the people that are filming it or involved in it so want something to happen that they have in some way affected the environment yeah. and, and if we're talking about toys moving I mean they've actually physically done something that's resulted in the toy moving or if people have had injuries appear on their body and I'm sure you know similar cases it's like it is horrible and amazing what what has happened to you know the physical self when you know people have like there's cases where people have like caused bruising to appear on their own skin due to like like uh, how, how do I describe it not wishing it no, no, no. Oh, I mean, are you I mean talking like, about a consciousness yeah, creating... Yeah, yeah like people have actually created injuries mm. on themselves. I suppose so the opposite sense, you, you've got people that genuinely believe that they've been healed, so they go and see a shaman. Mm. Or they, they've, you, you could tell someone that, that this, this rock will cure them, and if they believe it enough, there's been miraculous healings of uncurable things in the past as well, just due to a, a consciousness ability to control the body. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely tons of stuff that we don't understand, and it's certainly still worth recording it and um, you know studying it and whatnot. But um, what I what I find myself saying quite a lot at the moment is that um, um, in 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 this entire world of you know we're at, we're at an event called the Fortean Film Festival, so Fortiana and the paranormal and everything is. Um, a big chunk of the people that write about it, talk about it, um, have a vested interest in this stuff being perpetuated. Mm. So, like, if you think about, you know, a specific subject that's related to the, the paranormal of Fortiana, what do you do? You go and look at, like, books on Borley Rectory or, you know, UFOs, psychic healing, whatever, and, and out not all cases but in the majority of cases they're written by people who've like basically made a living out of writing about that stuff and have always wanted to basically carry on doing it and, and have wanted to find more stuff to write about so I think we have to remember that a lot of the what I'm, what I'm saying here is that a lot of the um, people that r report this stuff aren't necessarily honest reporters they are like looking to always write about always write about weird stuff and always want to put the weird spin on it rather than you know why would they put a why would they put a skeptical spin on it my friend um, Sharon Hill who writes about this subject quite a lot she she's got this brilliant line which is people don't want the debunk they want the bunk mm. and it's like, and I so think that's true I think that there's there's so many like like famous cases in ghosts and poltergeists and UFOs and monsters where um, who's it coming from who, who's 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 reporting this stuff, and who is constantly giving us new new stuff to add to the canon? And if you actually go back and like you know get right in there at the root of the the case, which all you know all good researchers want to do, but if you do that, you find uh, it's not quite as simple as like you know Jeff the mongoose isn't just people meeting a talking mongoose that lives in the wall li that lives in the wall. It's like there's this like complicated backstory. To the you know, to the people that are, uh, are supposedly having that experience. Mm. That's just as just one strange example that's on my mind. Jeff the Mongoose is Jeff the Mongoose. Case, yeah. yeah, there's a movie coming out. Is there? Yeah, with um, Simon Pegg. Right. Playing. I'm sh I'm sure he's not playing Vori, the girl that spoke to the mongoose. Nor is he playing Jeff the Mongoose. But he's a uh, he's. A <laughs> I wonder who will do the voice of Jeff the Mongoose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be a great film. Yeah, it's a really interesting case. Mm. It's um, yeah, I think I think that that desperation for belief is the fact that people want to believe there's there's more. They, they you know that that we 
this isn't just it and there's there's fair when i've we're a really small team but sometimes people do come on the investigations and most of the time absolutely nothing happens and i, I you know because i i truly believe in that some of the experience it's very much like in my belief system not to manufacture anything and they're disappointed because most of the time and even i even tell them before they come probably nothing will happen mm. you won't experience anything um and and yeah they go home disappointed and <laughs> because they're, they're desperate for it because they want to yeah. to believe in things even those that are really skeptical and don't believe it anyway still have that slight hope that that there's, oh, there's yeah. something will occur yeah if i went on a ghost tour or visited a haunted house i'd be well disappointed <laughs> yeah yeah but when it does i love it when the skeptics uh, and, and and it's those that are like for example the, the place in filey those were the who were the most hardcore mm. skeptics used to be the ones running out because it would almost pick on them yeah funny. yeah well i'm i'm always like framed as or used as a skeptic but i've had like a long list of inexplicable experiences mm. But the way in which I interpret the experiences, I think, is the key thing. Because I know that some of the things that I have experienced, um, I know that other people wouldn't have interpreted them in the same way. Yeah. Like, for example, so like, like I, I don't want to start talking about them. I, 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 I only do them at the right time. But, but on two occasions, I've had distinct physical contact when there's no way I could have had physical contact from anything. And and uh, one of them was was a very powerful punch in the back of my uh, right calf, and the other time was a very powerful um, uh, whack on my left shoulder as I was bending over. Both of those cases was my musculature responding to me like being stressed, being in an unusual pose. Yeah. Like I was the the thing in the back of the leg was I don't run at all. And, <laughs> and I was running, <laughs> and it was like it was a massive muscle cramp, and but it literally felt like yeah, yeah, like yeah. A top punch. And the other thing was like a weird contorted pose when I was putting a backpack on. But I know for sure that when I've heard, I know for sure that sounds very arrogant, but I'm pretty confident that when other people say you know I was walking down the stairs and I was pushed, and that was because that was a spirit that was trying to push me down the stairs. It's like well wait a minute, the human body can experience what what feels like a physical. Uh, contact and, mm. and isn't so um, I, I think yeah I, I think that's part of it I think how we actually interpret these things is again you know hugely dependent on our own you know individual experience and um, expectations and with what we were saying a minute ago about prior prior mindset you know sort of prior beliefs yeah yeah I've got fibromyalgia and um, you can oh. literally see my my muscles moving uh. as if someone's like actually grabbed my body and moving it around right. so yeah I do, I do kind of kind of get that and it's hard though isn't it because we, we know some people I spoke to someone who, who was a non-believer and said that they fell forward and someone pushed them up which would defy physics mm. but again without being there and witnessing it is it that their you know their viewpoint in terms of how they fall and everything so all we can do is say that they believe that and it's, it's great to want to believe it, but it's very hard to prove unless you're there and see it. And this is one of the constant battles, isn't it, that we, we have in terms of explaining well, the unexplained. So in uh, one of the things that I'm involved in, and this is going back to cryptozoology, is um, studying people's performance as eyewitnesses. And people are, basically all the studies that have ever been done demonstrate that people are terrible yeah, eyewitnesses, yeah, yeah. right? Across the board. Uh, and the um, uh, I, I, can't, I can't think of the collective term for everything involving the study of the l l legal stuff, right? Can't, can't remember the term, but like it's been most studied in that field. How, yeah, yeah. how reliable are people when it comes to like you know witnesses observing, you know, um, a suspect and what yeah. they look like and what they're wearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. What, the, what the car looked like that drove past you, and, and you know people get it. They get it fundamentally wrong. Yeah. And a key part of this discussion of the research on that area is it's like the um, between a person experiencing something and then conveying the experience to another person there's sort of like five or six steps that the whole thing's gone through and every single one of those steps we know and increasingly understand that they're all they're all faulty 
So even the even the sense of you perceiving something in the first place, you know, what you think, because you don't. Uh, this this goes back to what you're saying about the cable. It's like you don't necessarily. You you, you aren't. Again, this is getting into a weird thing that I'm not quite an expert on. I'm not an expert on at all. But it's like even whether you're whether you even see something, you often can't be sure because instead. It's your perception of what you of what you air quotes think your eyes air quotes yeah. saw right yeah yeah so that's the first filter it's like what you perceive is not the same as what you saw and, and if you move your head even your, your your eyes are going quicker than your brain so they scientists yep. that know this stuff know that your brain even fills in the blanks right. don't they so yeah. exactly yeah yeah and then yes and then it's got to pass into memory and we know that memory is like highly faulty yeah. And then at some point you've got to like extract it from memory and then describe it to another person. And that, again, that process, like there's a bunch of steps in that. And I think it's fair to say that without without you know casting without being mean to anybody, it's like everybody wants to make their life sound a little bit more interesting or at least interesting. So add in all those filters, add the fact that people are quite naturally and understandably inclined to, you know slightly embellish or slightly exaggerate or something then you know saying I fell over but saying I fell over and rebounded is a I don't know I, I'm not I'm not necessarily discounting that particular case but um, again it's it's quite it's quite complicated like mm. how how this stuff is actually conveyed to other people yeah mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating so so you before before I let you go and actually enjoy your evening, um, what what of all the cryptozoology are you most interested in and why? Which yeah. which which beast? Uh, thank you. It's a good question. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I'm interested in all of them. I'm interested in all of them. So on a question like this, it's like when people say, "What's your favourite dinosaur?" It's like, it's like it what is me, your favourite dinosaur? Yeah, I like. Oh Christ! Um, I'll say Eotyrannus which is the dinosaur I described from my PhD uh, back in 2001 and just published this year the final sort of definitive study on it. So, there I've you go. not even heard of that. Eotyrannus. It's, it's an early member of the Tyrannosaur group from the Isle of Wight. It was found in the late 90s and named in 2001. So thank you for asking me what my favourite dinosaur is. But um, yeah, cryptids, I'd say it depends on what I'm thinking about on the day. So at the moment, due to various conversations I've had here, I'm going I'm to stick with Bigfoot because... Um, for a whole bunch of reasons, which I won't go into, it'll take me too long, but basically, you're talking about something that, that according to the people that like endorse it as a, as a real animal, and that's what I'm super interested in, I'm super interested in the, in the idea that people have built about this being a real animal, then this, this is a thing that's like off the charts. Like, absolutely nuts that this, that this, this creature that they think the, that is real. Because it's not just, it's a great ape, according to this view. In the same way that, you know, we're great apes. We're part of the African subgroup of the great apes. And it's a great ape, sort of related to us. But it's like, you know, two and a half metres tall. And weighs about like, you know, 400, 500 kilograms. And is predatory. And grabs and kills animals like deer and maybe even people as well maybe there's loads of disappearances in North America um, are victims of Bigfoot and it can run at like 60 miles an hour and it can use infrasounds and it can see in complete darkness and it's always probably literally glow in the dark and it can um, convey its voice over vast distances uses this like you know strange uh, sort of wailing moan howls and calls and stuff and also has a language and can speak in what's known as samurai chatter, this like weird, like, like warbling, strange mm. language they claim to have, and uses tools and manufactures like strange structures that people discover in the woods. So, and there's other stuff I could say as well, but basically there's this like list of things. It's like, if this, you're saying this animal isn't like a gorilla that lives in North America, or it's not just like a, uh, a relative of us that's like we know from the fossil record you're saying it's something that's like truly has the ability to be probably the most terrifying creature in existence 
especially if it's predatory and uses infrasound and glows in the dark and all this mm. stuff. <laughs> it's like that view of Bigfoot I find absolutely, absolutely fascinating. And it's like, oh my God, I so hope it's real. But at the same time, come on, is it real? Like, why do we not have the, the absolutely compelling evidence that we should have if it is mm. real? So there you go, that's a long-winded yeah. answer. But I mean, the, the, the gorilla as well, if, if, if we look at a slight parallel, is if for centuries they, they said that there was this big like black hairy man that lived in the woods and no one believed people did they and then there they were but i suppose they're easy to find <laughs> all these cases are are complicated when yeah. once you look into them so um yeah it was yeah yeah you've alluded to the fact that yeah there's certainly like um stories and legends in lots of african cultures about gorillas being being real you know, in Europe, the Romans talk about them because they've heard about these these legends from Western Africa. But um, yeah, Western European science doesn't legit confirm them until round about 1900. Um, but I would be really interested to know. Cryptozoologists often say that people like scoffed or laughed at this idea. Uh, prior to the confirmation of, of uh, the various different kinds of gorillas existing, mm. I'm not absolutely sure that's true. I think that there was there were there was enough like um, sort of woolly, vague comments made here and there about well, we don't we there's still big bits of the world we don't quite know that well, and we remember we have found some big things pretty recently. You know, in the 1700s and 1800s, they were finding like new big mammals, you know, in various parts of the world. I, I uh, wouldn't be too surprised if you can actually pin down specific comments where people are saying, well, you know, there, there's still a bunch of stuff in tropical Africa we haven't been to. Uh, so, so, yeah. <laughs> so where, where, if I'm going to pin you down yeah. on Bigfoot, where do you stand? Um, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm not too ashamed about it. Um, I, I'm a wannabe believer, basically. Yeah. So, like, I, I find, uh, I find a, a big chunk of the eyewitness evidence and at least some of the um, like anecdotal evidence like uh, references to calls and, and, and that sort of stuff I find that like certainly enough to make me stop and think oh my god is there something here right so I, I want to be convinced that the sort of the, the science the, 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 the qualified scientist in me is like well the evidence still isn't there to be absolutely sure it exists yeah. so you know I, I am I'm not going to sort of like say yeah I believe in that I'm convinced in it that's, that's not the case but, um, but it wouldn't you know you only need one dead body or something to, 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 to be turned around so, so bring it on you know um, I, I do know a lot of um, scientists who are quietly secretly you know paying attention from the fringes and just not talking about it mm. so okay, I'm talking about it now but um, but yeah mostly that's my thinking on it it's like I am paying attention and I, I find it absolutely fascinating whatever whatever, however it pans out it's, it's interesting how throughout history before mass global communication there are these similar legends all over the world isn't there of these similar type yeah. of beings yeah okay so so Okay, so that was that was me turning towards the sort of like sort of positive, sort of almost believer side of the spectrum. You saying that is going to pull me away from that because um, what I've said in uh, I, I published a book in 2017 called Hunting Monsters, which is kind of like a socio-cultural explanation for yeah. uh, Bigfoot and other um, cryptids. And um, yeah, for me, a big problem with Bigfoot and all the creatures like it is we know that basically every single human culture has always had some vision of a creature that's kind of like like us yeah. but is different enough from us to bridge the gap air quotes around gap <laughs> between us and the rest of the natural world so everyone's got some like legend or myth or story about a kind of wild person that lives in the woods and is a bit like us but is also like I say lives in the woods or whatever and that's everywhere. That's yeah. in. That's everywhere. You know, the Europe has this long tradition of the wood woza and various wild men and, and wild women. Uh, you know, even even here in in England, and it's present throughout all African cultures, all Asian ones, all the American ones, Australasia. Uh, they have they have similar stories, and, and other places do too. You know, like like Hawaii and New Zealand as well. So, uh, so that for me, 
I think that even if there weren't people claiming to actually see or interact with or hear or whatever Bigfoot or Bigfoot type creatures, it's like again already there's the concept of that kind of creature. And then secondly, compounding this is the fact that we, by the nature of being human, are programmed into seeing humans everywhere. Mm. So we cannot help it. You know what pareidolia is, and I'm sure it's relevant to you know a lot of what you do. Mm. It's like we're always seeing human faces and human shapes. We can't help it. It's the same with the alien thing, isn't it? For if if there were aliens, there could be a conscious ball of gas. But we we <laughs> always try and give them a humanoid shape, and we we, yeah. we we invent them, don't we? Yeah, exactly. So again, even if there wasn't, yeah, even even if even if there aren't big hairy human-like whatever whatever big actually is if it is if it is real even if that isn't a physical thing it's like people are still having that experience because of what i just said about humans needing to have this belief and because of the fact that we see the human shape absolutely everywhere so for me both of those things actually weaken the uh the the sort of you know the, the possibility that those are real creatures where do you stand on the Sally tape then? Which what? The Sally tape. The uh, Sally. The, the the one um, that was shot in is it the seventies? With the female Bigfoot. That's that's the Patterson Gimlin. Patterson Gimlin, yeah. Why are you Sally. Sally? What? That's what they called the Bigfoot. No, she's called Patty. Sorry, I've got that wrong. Whoa, I was, I was, yeah. I was like, what, so, the, what the hell? I, <laughs> I don't not, know where that's come from. <laughs> not familiar with this one. Yeah, the uh, 20th of October 1967, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin, yeah. Bluff Creek, California. Yeah, uh, I've flipped back and forth on this over the years, and I've written a lot about it. And um, okay, so there's a whole bunch of like specific anatomical traits and the way it walks and stuff that like look real. But then there's also the fact that we now have quite high fidelity visions of uh, views of the film due to like digital remastering and stuff that's been done uh, in recent years by this guy called M.K. Davis. We um, you can see some things in it that are problematic, right? Uh, there's there's like fistfights about this, like whether it's legit or not, and some even some like like acceptors or believers of it will say that the controversy means that like just don't waste time on it because all you can argue for like you know years and years, and years as as people have been doing, um, and that's not going to help on the phenomenon in general because the, it's it's like an old piece of film. It's not actually going to help to establish the reality of the creature that, that's one argument but for me there's also this this like problematic kind of circumstantial background story to it um, and a, a, again huge arguments about this and there's no sort of simple answer but from the skeptical side of things and I hate to use that term it's not the right term but from the sort of like negativist view, view side of things there's this view that um, Roger Patterson who's, who's died very young of uh, Hodgkin's disease I think uh, died I think in his 40s um, there's basically this view that he was sort of like his whole life well his, his life prior to the filming in 1967 was all based around sort of profiteering around Bigfoot it was all based around like like building like making money out of Bigfoot spinning Bigfoot to be this big thing because remember in the 60s they didn't have the view of Bigfoot that I described earlier, right? They didn't have this distinct vision of it as a, uh, you know, a unique kind of like human-like, non-human that does this and does this, you know, all those things I said. They didn't have that view. They kind of had this sort of vague concept of it maybe being like a wild person, like maybe like a lost tribe of Indians or something, right. something like that. And um, people like Patterson are actually like helping to build the view of what Bigfoot's like. So they're, they're doing that and also at the same time seeing it as some way of making money out of it. Uh, Patterson himself writes a book in, I think it's 1966, um, called, it's called something like Do Abominable Snowmen of North America Really Exist? And, uh, and it includes various like drawings and stuff about what he thinks Bigfoot should look like. And then there's this story which is um, told in greatest depth by this guy called Greg Long in this book called The Making of Bigfoot, where he says that after the 67 gaining of the film, that Patterson basically, uh, you know, made as mu used it to make as much money as possible. 
and and again it's like you know, there's, there's no sort of simple out to like because on the one hand you know we know that a load of people like let's say someone makes the most profound and amazing discovery in the whole history of humanity like something with massive scientific importance well you know for sure that there's a whole load of people who immediately would think of that as a profiteering exercise how can i (laughs) (laughs) how can i how can i make as much money as possible out of this i'm thinking of this as someone who's um not just because i'm a scientist but as someone who's fundamentally a um uh, sort of a (laughs) an egalitarian and a philanthropist it's like if i discover something then i kind of think that sort of belongs to all of us and i and i want to i've given away loads of stuff like for free kind of not because i can afford to because i've not benefited from it but i think it's like to our interests to share information yeah and it and it seems to me it seems odd that if they got this i don't know it's, it's all it's all quite it's all quite complicated yeah and I'm, and I'm sort of losing losing my my direction where i was going with this but um basically i'm saying that there, there is also this this very elaborate story about Patterson and Gimlin being involved with another man called Bob Hieronymus and faking the whole thing, right? Yeah. I'm not going to go into that because again, it's all over the place. It's like really difficult. To, yeah, yeah. But, but, but my my point here is to end this is the this whole like circumstantial sort of surrounds of the story makes you think that eh, it's like it does it does like it's not as simple as some people just rocking up and filming a weird animal in yeah. the story. Yeah, it's yeah. like the fact that there's this profiteering, this prior interest this building the vision of what Bigfoot's like, this claim about someone being the guy in the suit, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's it's very difficult to just come down on one side and say, the Patterson footage is real, man, or the Patterson footage is fake. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. So, just before you go, um, if you could be haunted by the ghost of Scatman John, would you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and, second of all, um, where Do you ask we- everyone that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, tonight <laughs> it's for conversation we had on the way here and um, how, so you've got a show coming out soon with David Attenborough how can people watch that or is oh, it out now oh it's, it came out in May fantastic yeah yeah. thank you yeah Prehistoric Planet yep uh, narrated by Sir David Attenborough uh, on Apple TV Plus made by Apple TV Plus in concert with uh, BBC Studios and you have to get Apple TV Plus to watch it but um you can get a free trial for that, I think. Absolutely, right? you can yeah. get a free trial. And, uh, yeah, it's, I'm very pleased with the reception. And, uh, yeah, prehistoric planet. Yeah, Fantastic. thanks. And where, and where can people find more about your stuff and the things yep. you've written and speak about? I blog at Tetrapod Zoology. Tetrapods are the group of vertebrates that have got limbs and digits or evolved from animals that have got limbs and digits because, like, a snake is still a tetrapod, even though it's lost its limbs. Uh, that's at tetzoo.com, and I write about all manner of um, things to do with the animal world, including cryptozoology and other stuff. I tweet at Tetzoo, one word, T E T Z O, and I'm easily findable online through Tetrapodzoology or my name, Darren Nash, Tetrapodzoology. Thank you so much. This, these were meant to be like a two minute interview, <laughs> but this, this was just too fascinating. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It was great to talk to you.